in a study of a biblical perspective of who is the Holy Spirit uh, and what it is He does, the what we are commended to. Uh, and we're in a process here of multiple text. And so um, we will start this morning with Galatians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And those will only be our introductions. Uh, we will move out of those uh, as I conclude a thing that I've been looking at over these last about seven or eight weeks, our dependence in the Spirit of God. We started out with who is the Spirit and what does He do. Uh, now we're looking at our dependence. And then in the, the weeks to come, we will see um, what is our responsibility in light of these magnificent truths. So I'm going to open with prayer, read you three texts of Scripture, try to bring it all back into a, a focus and then deal with what we have, what He is doing, and um, then we'll... Go have church dinner. Father, we come before you. And Lord, uh, I understand completely this day that my dependence for my brothers and my sisters to understand this teaching on the Holy Spirit is solely based up to you. Father, um, if you do not make it real in their souls, in their spirit, in their minds, um, Father, um, nothing will. And Father, I beg you now that as the hearts are turned toward your word, as the hearts are turned to the bride of Christ, to the magnificent magnificence that we have as children of the King, that Father, that even now, your spirit and your people is teaching, exhorting, strengthening, convicting, uh, molding, securing, what you have already given us, what you are already doing. And Father, let us, the children who are called by your name, lean full weight upon these wondrous and magnificent truths. To your glory, to your praise. Amen. We have an ongoing problem in the church. Okay, and it started all the way back in about uh, 60 A.D., all right, and it came in a letter written by the Apostle Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit to the church of Galatia. And Galatia is an area, it'd be like what you would know as a county, a province. And here's what he has come to in this letter. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ is publicly portrayed as crucified? This only... Thing I want to know out of you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? And basically what he's saying there, how did you get saved? Okay, people who tell me they had a feeling or that they just were seeking God and they found Him one day are denying Scripture. Scripture says you got saved from hearing. If you were never exposed to preaching, how'd you get saved? 
somewhere the gospel had to be preached to you by a man of God, anointed by the Spirit of God and the power of God, and he poured it out upon you. Had to. There's no other way. I'm sorry. Romans says it. How will they hear unless there's a preacher? You know what that means, right? Somebody's got to go. And I, you know what? I'm tired of people saying, well, the gift of preaching is obsolete. It isn't. And I've been dealing with that. Another text, and it's a text that brought us to where we're at, comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. And we were dealing with spiritual gifts. We've taken a, a little sidetrack because we need to understand the Spirit. Who is He? What is He doing? What did He do at our salvation? What is He doing now? And here's what it says, beginning in verse 4. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministry, but the same Lord, varieties of effects, the same God who works all things in what? All persons. Each one is a manifestation of what? For the common good. For the common good. See what we're doing? For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as He wills. Please get a hold of this, brothers and sisters. Why? This is crucial to your walk, to your very existence. You better understand it. There is no methodology to this. There is no system. There's no seminar. There's no seminary. There's no Christian college you can go to to achieve this. This is the work of the Spirit of the living God through His people coming together in the body of Christ, unified in the body of Christ, working for the simple goal of the manifestation of Christ to a lost and dying world. Now then, I shared with you, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now I want to show you this because I showed you that there are three things that are killing the church in America today. One is experience. Okay, experience in the church. Uh, A church that has a big crowd has to be a blessed church. That's what our experience is telling us today. Okay, now let me tell you something about your experience. I have seen Pink Floyd at Three Rivers Stadium in, 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 uh, well, it doesn't exist anymore. And I was there and I had an experience. Okay, what did it validate? All right, your feelings are going to deceive you. Ask people today, did you worship? And the word you're going to hear come out of their mouth nine times out of ten is, I felt the presence of God. You know what? I have never felt the presence of God. Okay, I've known His presence. I've never felt Him. I mean, the hair didn't stand up on my arms or my neck or anything like that. My belly didn't get upset, a liver quiver or whoo, nothing like that. But I have known when I've been in the absolute will of God. And that's what you hear today. It's experience. It's experience. I felt. I feel. I believe. I this. I this. I this. You know what the problem with that is? Too many personal pronouns. Okay. The second one you see is what I call pragmatism. 
Give me a plan. If I do A, B, and C, D, E, and F will be the result. Well, let me explain to you something. The Apostle Paul, in his last letter that he ever wrote, explaining the conclusion of the church age, says, understand this, difficult times will come. Men will not hear sound doctrine. Okay? How bad has it gotten? The church doesn't teach doctrine anymore. We have to go where to get doctrine? To college. Some kind of higher education stuff. And you know what? That is a lie from the pits of hell. What seminary, what Bible college did Peter graduate from? You know, people ask me, they say, well, how do you get so much out of the Bible? Read it. It's an interesting concept. You know, I don't go get cliff notes on the Bible. You know, it does. And you watch people. What's the study? What's the footnotes say? What does the commentary say? Why don't you read it? You have the author indwelling you. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to get at? So you have pragmatism that says, I get a little workbook, it's got these little blanks in it, and I'll fill out them blanks when I get done, I'm going to be holy. No, you ain't. No, you're not. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? We have a consumer mentality that is non-existent biblically. It's non-existent biblically. The third one is what I call psychological sanctification. Okay? Man's philosophy, psychology, can make you holy. All right? You don't believe me. Why are seminaries producing counselors and not preachers? Okay? I have a problem. I need to see a... Who? Okay? We need a mentoring program. Do you see what we're doing? We're taking man's wisdom and saying, I can plug all of these things in and what? Here's my problem with psychology. What is quote unquote biblical counseling today? All right. And this had better ring in your ears. The same techniques that is produced in this line of thinking has the same effect on the lost people that it does on saved people. What's wrong with that picture? Okay, I'll give you a, a good illustration. This is going to get me in trouble. I don't care. Purpose-driven life, number one on New York Times bestseller list. Why do they hate Jesus? Because he preached the word. How can you have a book that, quote-unquote, God is using, and the lost people love it as much as the saved people? I'm just a question. It's just a question. Okay? And you take all of those three, okay, whether it's experience-based, whether it's I have a plan or or purpose or... (laughs) Sorry. Or I'm going to get my mentor, my discipler, or no, not my discipler. I'm going to get my counselor and we're all going to walk holy. Right? I'm going to ask you, you take those three right now, and I'm going to ask you, how do these work in chapter 5, verse 16 and following? Here's what the Apostle Paul says. 2 Corinthians deals with the ministry. Okay? 1 Corinthians says personal holiness. 2 Corinthians says this is ministry. 
And it's a, it's a book that'll wear you out. All right, but it'll help you. Here's what he says. Therefore, if anyone is, no wait. Therefore, from now on, we recognize, hear what it says, no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Okay, that's the spiritual precedence that Paul's talking about. He says, you need to start living on the spiritual realm, not on the fleshly realm. Don't be entangled with these things in this world. Okay, we'll live in the heavenlies is what he's saying. There's what he says next. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? What does that mean? He's a new creation. Easy. Old things pass away. Why do we look at our salvation past tense? Well, I remember back when I was in prison and I was doing 90 years hard labor in Jesus Christ. And what's he doing with you now? And he only found you in jail? You know what? The Apostle Paul never, ever looked at his salvation past tense. It was this moment and forward. Scripture teaches you your salvation is here and going. Why is it we want to keep looking backwards? Why is it that the philosophy that is in Christian counseling says you need to deal with these issues in your past? They've been dealt with. It was the cross of Calvary. You've got to get a hold of this. Why? Because the Holy Spirit... Now watch. Let me show you this. Behold, he says, what happened? New things have come. You know what that means? The old's gone. I don't have to worry about doing it the old way. All right? Now I want you to tell me how experience, I want you to tell me how pragmatism, a plan or a system, or the philosophy and psychology of man can do this next line. These are from God. Okay, what was from God? He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us what? Who is us? The church has a ministry. If you are saved today, you have a service, and that service is a ministry of reconciliation. What? You are reconciling lost, naked, sinful men to holy, righteous, merciful God. How are you going to do that? What are you going to bring to that table? What do you have to offer? You, oh, hey, you know, I have four spiritual laws here. You like this? I have this sinner's prayer. Say this sinner's prayer and you will reconcile that person to God? How can you do this? What system can you plug in that you can take a blind heart, a stone heart, a person who couldn't find God with both hands and a road map? How are you going to do that? Read on what it says. Namely, that God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us what? The logos of reconciliation. It is the word of reconciliation. I can't take a man's book and say that this is the word of God and this will reconcile you. If you are going to reconcile a person unto the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, there's only one book that you can take. And it can't be man's interpretation. It is God's word, thus saith the Lord. Therefore, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. Who do we speak for? 
for Christ. We speak for Christ. As though God were making an appeal where? Who would us be? The church. The church. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. That's your ministry, people. That is your ministry. I need a ministry. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do in ministry. Read the Bible. It's easy. You are reconciling people to God. That's your ministry. Who's? If you're saved, that's your ministry. And listen, there's only one tool. I like that. I don't need a complex toolbox. I have one tool. I have one way. And one power source. Now, do you see why people get on me and they say, well, you know, you get kind of impassioned about some of this. It's only a ministry of reconciliation, people. Reconciling that that is separate from God into the presence of God. Okay, and what do I have to offer into that solution? I ain't got nothing. Now then, do you see why Paul was a little bit on the upset side about the church in Galatia? You started in the spirit, you're now perfected in the flesh. You started by hearing the word and now you are blowing smoke. Okay, if you look at the church today, what difference is she? How many churches today are doing it in the flesh? And if you're doing it in the flesh, who are you reconciling? I was in England a couple of years ago preaching. England has produced some of the most massive preachers that the world has ever seen. And I asked, I preached at a church in in London, England, that's older than America. Okay, I preached at another church down by the coast. And I said, and I listened, I said, who's getting saved? How's the spirit moving in your country? He said, he's not. I said, what do you mean he's not? Nobody outside of the church is coming to salvation. The only people who are being saved are generational. What happened? He says, we don't have preaching. What do you have? Everything but. I look around the church in America. What's happening? Go to the churches today. Turn the ministries on. Listen to the radio programs and listen to what they're saying and ask yourself this simple question. Is the man preaching, explaining to me the Bible? Ask yourself that simple question. And I can guarantee you that 90% are not. They're telling you cool stories. They are stirring your emotions. They make you want to cry. They make you want to smile. They make you want to whatever. How do you reconcile somebody with that? Do you understand that? How can I reconcile a sinner to a holy God? It's power of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. This is what is called the life of Christ. Incarnate. Dr. Olford used to call it flesh it out. Flesh it out. How does that mean? Your flesh shows Christ. You're going to do that? I can't do that. Gee, many crickets. I couldn't do that on my best day. Here's what we've looked at so far. We were saved through what? Hearing by faith. Okay? And I showed you a whole bunch of stuff that you already have, right? You were convicted of your sin. If you've never been convicted of your sin, please. I don't want you to be convicted of somebody else's sin. 
I want you to be convicted of your sin. If you've never been convicted of your sin, then you've never come to repentance. If you've never come to repentance, you've never been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. If you've never been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you've never been baptized into the body of Christ. If you never have that, you do not have security in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Period. Period. Okay? All that happened instantaneously. If you had those things happen, you were gifted. You were supernaturally enabled to minister to the saints. What was the ministry again? Ministry of Reconciliation. It's already been given. When people tell me I need to go learn how to share the gospel, my response to them is this, and I'm going to say this in love. Then you need to get saved. Because if you're saved, you already know how to share the gospel. Because if you... How, how can you not know? Well, I don't know how I got saved. I just woke up one day and I was saved. No, you weren't. And, and you know, this is completely against the mainline teaching today. Now what happens? I'm saved. I got the Holy Spirit indwelling me. I am now the temple of the living God. Where I stand is holy ground. Think about that. That's mind-boggling to me. It's right now. All right, now what? Okay, I looked at this. This is seven things. We're going to deal with the seventh one here in a minute. Intimacy with God. I have intimacy with God. How intimate am I with God? I have a relationship with God who spoke existence into being that I call him Papa. Abba, Daddy. Because of that intimacy with God, I have an illuminating of the Word. You know what? The Word makes sense to me. I can read it and say, whoa. Whoa. All right? Thirdly, I have a glorious view of the glory of Christ. Where are you going to get that view from? Hanging out with Jesus. Where are you going to get that from? From His Word and His people. The more I study the Word, the more I see the glory of Christ. You know, everybody keeps saying, you're going to try to tackle the Old Testament and you're going to try to add this into what you're already teaching and all that. I said, it's easy. It's the glory of Christ. Genesis to Revelations. It's the glory of Christ. I don't care if it's the book of Leviticus. I don't care if it's Numbers. I don't care if it's that Italian prophet Malachi or Malachi, depending on your translation. It's still all the glory of Christ. Old Testament all points to Christ. The New Testament points to, oh, mm, let's see, Christ. It isn't complicated. All right? So there's a glorious view of Christ. Because I have an intimacy with my God, because I understand His Word now, because I see the glory of the risen Christ, I now have personal guidance in God's will. Everything that I do, God is already there. Because that, my God's glorious view, then I understand that I'm, God will minister to us through other believers. That's why I don't understand forsaking the assembly together. What well, church ought to be the place that we just fire up for. We should sacrifice the soccer games, the television games, the overtime for the time with the people of God. And we aren't doing that. Well, that's Sunday night and it's going to be late and this is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I don't know. All right, you know when they met in the early church, first century church? Every single day. And I got guys saying, well, you know, you can't preach more than once or twice a week. Really? You know what? Maybe you shouldn't. Okay? I go to Russia. I preach every day and teach every day. And they like two-hour sermons in Russia, and I like that place. (laughs) Next thing. Okay? He empowers us. Why? You're in a spiritual struggle. Did you know that? You're in a spiritual struggle, and he gives you power to overcome that. Which one? All of it. Okay, but he also gives you the ability to destroy speculations, the thinkings of men. You know how you do that? You lay the scripture out and you throw it out at them and it lays out there and it destroys their speculation. 
Okay, you know what? How many of you guys here believe the earth is a billion years old or whatever it is today? Okay? I, I don't know how old it is. Yeah, I do. About 58, 59. Okay, do you know what's amazing? They've never found an organized civilization beyond 6,000 years. Did you know that? Science proves that. But we were monkeys and hanging out in trees and doing weird stuff like that before then. We just didn't have no tails. We weren't very good at it, so we become civilized. Okay? The Bible says that organized man didn't exist before 6,000 years ago. Science says organized man didn't exist before 6,000 years ago, but before that you were a baboon. Okay, and you're telling me that my faith is silly? That's nuts. There was a big bang, this great cataclysmic event, and everything exploded, and here we are. You realize how stupid that is? Have you ever blown up a firecracker? What kind of organization comes out of that? Nothing. I can drop a bomb. I'm going to drop a nuclear bomb on Acme Brick and I'm going to get a subdivision. And you're telling me that my faith is goofy? Do you see what I mean? That's the kind of stuff I just scratch my head and go, what? You know, let's go drop a plutonium trigger into a junkyard and we'll have a 747 Boeing sitting there. No, you're not. And, well, but you're just a man of faith. And you're a man of futility. I was going to say foolishness, but I thought better of it. All right. I can destroy these speculations. Why? Bringing the Word of God to bear on it. Okay, listen. If they reject the Word of God, they're going to hate you. But they're rejecting God. That ain't your call. That ain't my call. That's a work of the Spirit. Okay? It rejects humans' high ideas. He empowers us to overcome these. He gives us strength for ministry. Did you know that? I like that. Think about it. I'm going to reconcile darkened souls to the light of God. I need strength for that. You're not going to do that. I can't make you see that. Okay? I don't care what you do. You can't do it unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. But you know what? They say Jesus in the upper room discourse says, I will give you a comforter. And we all look at it and go, oh, it's like a big old feather bed. No, it literally means someone to bury your loads, to bury your loads, to carry it. Who carries your loads? Don't lie to me, because I can see. I can look at a person and know who's carrying their load. Okay, that's why, remember, if Joshua could have given the Sabbath rest, they'd have entered it, book of Hebrews. And he says, but it, that Sabbath rest came from where? Christ. And you know where it's at right now? In you, now. And if you're struggling, if you're anxious, if you're nervous, if you're fearful, if you're this, you're that, why are you carrying that? I ain't carrying that burden. I don't even want to, well, but I'm lonely and depressed. Why don't, why, let Jesus carry lonely and depressed. I understood it. He said, lo, I'm with you. Most of the time, except when you're lonely and depressed? No, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We're not at the end of the age. I know he's still here with me. He's here with me now. He carries my burden. He gives me power to evangelize. He gives me power for my hope. He gives me power to praise. He gives me power for relationships. Now, all that was the introduction. Okay, that's why I, I wish that we would just get the Holy Spirit. And I don't have to have such lengthy introductions. Okay, seventh thing he does for us, the Holy Spirit. After you're saved, okay, he intercedes for us. He intercedes for us. 
Romans 8. Listen, the first thing that the Holy Spirit has to do is he has to deal with your sin problem because that is what broke fellowship the first place. All right? Make sense? I mean, the reason that we got kicked out of the garden was sin. All right? So he has to deal with that. So if you would, go to Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and we'll move around a little bit here, and I'll show you this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us what? Our weaknesses. This comes out of that strengthening understanding. Helps in our weaknesses. What weaknesses? We don't know how to pray. You know why? Let me explain to you. We don't know how to pray. I can't see the beginning from the end. Okay? In a given specific situation, I can't see the beginning and I can't see the end. Okay? So the Holy Spirit, He sees the beginning and the end and everything that's in between. And there's times when I look at it and I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what this purpose is. And if I can't understand, listen, I can't even understand my own heart. And yet the Holy Spirit understands not only my heart, but he understands the heart of God. That's kind of nice. Especially when I think about him interceding for me. If we had to depend on our prayers to keep us, we're all lost. Right? I mean, how many, you know what? Uh, I learned this a long time ago and I learned this the hard way. As soon as you offer up a prayer, do you know that it's instantly, just like that, answered? I don't care what the prayer is, it is instantly answered. Here's the problem. Was it yes, no, or wait? Okay, because it's instantly answered. But I don't, got, you know, sometimes no and wait look alike. Right? And sometimes yes and wait look alike. Okay, and, and, but there's times when you're convinced that you are right on track and God says you're not even on the right railroad. Okay, so when you offer a prayer as a child of God being indwelt by the Spirit of God, know that your prayer is instantly answered. Okay, now you have to get before the Spirit of God and say, what was the answer? And help me walk in that answer. Okay, Romans 8 has been called a lot of things uh, in great men of God have called it. You know, the greatest that I've ever heard was the cathedral of Christendom. But I kind of look at it. Here's my illustration of eight. It's the wholeness of our salvation. That's the whole chapter eight. Okay, look at verse 21. Romans 8 creation itself also will be set free from slavery of corruption into the freedom and glory of who? Who? The children of God. That is the wholeness of our salvation. Why? Because remember what I shared with you in verse 26. We don't know how to deal with our own weaknesses. We want to take our weaknesses and I feel, or I want to come up with a plan, pragmatism, or I'll take philosophy, psychology of man and deal with it. Do you understand that all three of them are preeminent in your weaknesses remember what he says you begun in the spirit you are now perfected where in your experience and your pragmatism and your psychology no we are saved eternal gift not because 
not just because God said so, he also makes sure that it is. Listen, if you come to salvation from hearing in faith, how is it maintained? God promises and he works to accomplish it. How does he work? The Holy Spirit in the child of God is doing what? Interceding when? All the time. He never stops. And some of us he's even busier at. How secure are you? Look at verse 26 again. In our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It literally means he intercedes with too profound for words. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. Do you, understand, do you get a hold of that? The third member of the Trinity is talking to God on your behalf, on my behalf? When? Well, I haven't never seen him take a nap. I ain't never seen him go on vacation. Now I'm out of the office. Would you leave a message? We'll be return your call as quick as we get back from Bahamas. I don't see that in there. Look at verse 27. He who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit is. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Did you get that, what he just said there? You have the Spirit intercedes for us with words too profound. And he who searches the heart, you know what that means, right? That's still Holy Spirit. He's searching your heart and he knows the mind. So God knows your heart because the spirit who is he is where? In your heart. You know, all I could think of in this is I have the perfect Holy Spirit making perfect prayers about my perfect needs. That's all. All right. What pragmatism are you going to do to increase that? The perfect Holy Spirit who knows perfect prayers on my behalf. And you're going to add to that what? The perfect God who understands the perfect prayers of the perfect Holy Spirit gives you the results of verse 28. And God causes all things to work together for those who love God. I like that. There's no leakage. There's no, oops, dropped one. The prayers of the Holy Spirit only cause all things to work to our eternal glory. That's all. That's it. And you're going to add to that what? Well, you don't understand my counselor. You don't understand my feelings. You don't understand what? But if you don't do 40 days, you'll never get into a habit. All thanks to our eternal glory. Okay, now listen, it doesn't mean that everything in life turns out good. Okay, remember, they crucified your king. The Spirit of God interceding for you according to the will of God is how God causes everything to end up to your glory. Verse 29, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to become what? What are you going to do to conform yourself into the image of Jesus? That's what I thought. There's nothing you can do to that. 
But God says, because the Holy Spirit is there interceding on your behalf, because he knows your heart, he knows the will of God, he will accomplish it because God will cause all things to happen to your glory. Why? Because the intercession of the Holy Spirit. No matter what is going on in your life, I don't care if it's sin, if it's failure, no matter how ignorant, I don't care how stupid you are, I don't care what we do, there's times we don't know how to pray as we should. And yet, in spite of all of that, the Holy Spirit takes over and He's got it covered. All right, how powerful is this? Well, those that He predestined, He called, and those He called, He justified, and those He justified, He also what? Do you see that? What are you going to do there? What do you bring to the table? What do you offer him? You can fix something? Well, you just don't know. No, 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 no. Read the inclusiveness that is there. It is sealed. Start forgetting. Hebrews says he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's already got it taken care of. No matter what is going on in your life, I don't care what it is. Well, you just don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand my God. I have the Holy Spirit interceding on my behalf. He knows the will of God. He knows my heart. He, I can't go up. I can't go down. I can't go to Sheol. I can't go anywhere to escape him. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on even when I ain't clueless. And I see too many in the body of Christ wanting to do this. Listen, we sit here today at completely different places in our spiritual walks. Okay, spiritual maturity, whatever you want to call it. Okay, and you know what? I guarantee you that in this room today, we don't even know all the sin that is in our lives. We're ignorant of the sin that is in our lives, let alone to be able to confess it all. So who's interceding? Spirit continues to intercede. Now then, I want to give you one thought because this, everybody, we kind of get into that spirit thing. Well, he's invisible. And I just, you know, is that like a ghost? What is this? A mirage thing? What? I don't understand what this is. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. That's to the right. Once you get over to the T-books, you'll come to Hebrews Right after the T-books, you got to deal with that Philemon dude. Okay, Don't forget that in your Bibles, there's nothing wrong. Your index is divinely inspired also. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I see people. All right. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 is a text that is so often overlooked. All right. Who's interceding for me? Spirit of God. Right? Look what he says in verse 25. Therefore, he is also, he is able also to save forever. I like that idea. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to what? Okay. Who is he talking about here? Christ. So who's interceding on your behalf? Well, I thought it was the Holy Spirit. Well, which is it? 
Okay? We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. No, you're indwelt by God. Well, but I thought it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I get people say, well, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it teach the Trinity. No, but it teaches of a multi-personality God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You can take the Jehovah's Witnesses and drive them nuts with this. You can. Who are you indwelt with? All of them. Which one is that? All three. With Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God. When? All the time. But it's obvious by your response, you're not. <laughs> and that always goes over well. The Mormons don't like this either. And I, this is the text that, that I like to give them whenever they come and knock on my door. Never ask me what I do for a living. <laughs> I read your Bible. <laughs> no. Okay. Listen, Christ intercedes. The Spirit of God is interceding. The Son of God is interceding. Is there any wonder why all is working for our good? See what I mean? It's all working for our good. Well, but you just don't understand. Well, not, 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 not. You don't understand. Because you know why? I don't see the beginning and the end. If you'd have watched my life, uh, my dad died when I was young. If you'd have watched my life uh, at the funeral of my uh, father, uh, a group of women, three women, began praying for my salvation. And if you'd have watched it, and you had like one of them split screen things or whatever, and you'd have watched it, the more they prayed, the worse I got. I mean, it literally, as they went up, I went down. And I mean, it just, it escalated this way. And you'd have sat there and said, well, quit praying. It's just making a mess of it. Okay. But God was causing all things to work to my good. Not only to my good, his glory that will be seen in me. How about that? And I only have the Holy Spirit and Jesus doing that. Hmm. Romans, at the end of Romans, it says, so who can be against us? I mean, you've only got the Holy Spirit in you interceding. He's dealing with sin in your life. You don't even know it's sin yet. He's dealing with situations in your life that you don't even know have shown up yet. Do you see what I'm trying to get at, brothers and sisters? Why would I want to get into the feelings? Why would I want to get into some kind of pragmatism? Why would I want to get into psychology? I've got this as a resource. Why would I want to perfect my flesh by my flesh? I don't understand that. That drives me nuts, in case you didn't get it. There is for our good, and it's only for an eternal weight of glory. You know what? Even the eternal weight of glory in our failures, He is still glorified. He still intercedes. And ultimately, you know what? We are not going to fail. Holy Spirit will pray for us and God will strengthen us. I like that. Holy Spirit sees sin in our lives and prays to the Father for cleansing and the Father forgives the sin and the Holy Spirit energizes the righteousness of God the Father in that individual. What? He deals with sin in your life, you don't even know it's sin. And He deals with it in such a way that it's only God's righteousness. So He is a pleader and He's an empowerer. All in the same breath. That's how he ministers to you and I. Paul, you know what's amazing? Paul went through some stuff now. I mean, you go in and preach the gospel to a city and they stone you and throw you out on a pile of manure. 
Okay, you get shipwrecked, you get beaten by rods, you get people, everywhere you go, people trying to kill you. Nobody likes you, and everybody's afraid of you. Okay, you know what? Paul never says if the biblical solution doesn't work, go get the philosopher. Never said it. Paul's trying to tell you and me today that the Spirit is sufficient. How'd you begin? Hearing. So why you quit listening now? That's what's going on in the body of Christ right now. People are not listening. Well, it's just preaching. He's too long. He's too short. He does this. He does that. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Spirit is sufficient. Let me show you how it began. When you heard, you were convicted of sin. The Holy Spirit pierced your heart of your sin. Not the President of the United States' sin. Not the Senate's sin. Not your state government's sin. He pierced your heart of your sin. And then he produced repentance. Repentance says, you know what? i got to change directions. Okay? I know a lot of people who are going this way towards sin, and they look at the sin, they stop, and they turn their back on the sin, but they don't ever walk away from it. That's not repentance. Because repentance says, I see what that's going to get me, and I'm going that way, and I'm going to walk that way. That's repentance. Why? If I'm walking away from sin, then where am I going? To righteousness. And that is only God. And if you're not walking toward God, then you have not moved from sin. That only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. I can bust you. You can get caught. And I'm sorry. Keep looking over your shoulder. Is it still there? Well, when they quit looking, I'm going back. I'll just sneak into it. Nobody will see it. That's not repentance. Repentance says, you know what? That there brought me nothing but grief and sorrow and heartache. I'm going to the righteousness of God. I'm going to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And you know what? I hear people say, well, how do you make people do that? <laughs> Big stick. Huge stick. I mean, I haven't found a stick big enough yet. So I'm relying on the Holy Spirit. That, as soon as you start doing that, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit in you starts energizing your faith. And your faith, you'll see it. You have a walk of faith. And you'll take one step, and he trusts, and take another step. And, oh, golly, look at his strength. And everyone's going to do this, and you bump into something. And then you go, and you keep going, right? Why? Because he's energizing your faith. Now then, as you're doing that, you are regenerated. That is what they call in the Baptist circles, born again. At that moment in time, you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. You become the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. You are baptized into the body. You are immersed into the church. You should have a a, a hunger, a never-quenching thirst for the people of God, the congregation of the called-out ones. You are gifted. You are immediately supernaturally empowered to help and minister and serve and, and manifest Christ among the saints. You are secured by the Spirit. You are given as a promise. He is given to you as a promise, as, a, as, a, as an engagement ring of the great wedding feast of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, His church. You are separated immediately from sin and death. Sin no longer has mastery over you, and death has no claim on you. You know what's amazing about what I just gave you? That's instantaneous. There ain't no progression in that. That happened the moment you got saved. Then, you brought into intimacy with God. You can understand the Word of God. You know what understanding the Word of God means? I can understand Jesus. 
Okay, you know, you ever seen that little bracelet that says WWJD? What would Jesus do? That's the dumbest thing I ever read in my life. I'm not, listen, if you've got one, I'm praise God. But try this one, walking with Jesus daily. Okay, because I know what Jesus would do. All right, and I can't do that. <laughs> All right, and you don't want me doing that. Okay, so let us walk with Jesus daily. All right, why? That's how I understand the word. How do I understand the word? I read it. Oh, interesting concept. I read the word and that's walking with Jesus daily. I'm starting to understand the word. As I understand the word, all of a sudden I get a majestic view of the glory of Jesus Christ. He gets bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter. I like that. Because he's getting bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter, I have personal guidance. He can guide me into the little things in life. I enjoy that, and that allows me to minister to one another because I have a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. And I minister to you, and you minister to me. Not only that, he's empowered me. I don't get tired. There's no burnout in ministry. If you're doing it, you're going to burn out. God's doing it. It's impossible. I have a divine battery source. And because of all of those things, the Holy Spirit is constantly interceding on my behalf. Why? Because there's things that come up in my life that are going to be sin. Oh, and I didn't know it was there. And all of a sudden God says, look, it's there. You know what spiritual maturity is? As soon as you see the sin, you run from it. It ain't a matter of how many Bible verses you've memorized. You know what? God said I shouldn't do that. I'm going over here. No worries. All of this is available to us on a spiritual level. Okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May God himself sanctify you completely. How completely? Soul, spirit, and body. Okay? Soul. That's the eternal container. It's already been redeemed. Remember, you dwelt and you're secured, you're gifted and all the rest of it. The spirit is where the battle is. The spirit of, is where I am. That's where my conscience is. That's where the Holy Spirit and me every once in a while just get into a rock and roll, knock down, drag out fight. I won't do that. Okay? But the outside is the vessel. That is where it all seems. When you see a legalist or a religionist, they have taken care of the outside container. That's all. But their hearts are still just as black as night. Okay? That's legalistic people. Why? They look good on the outside. Soul is eternal. Spirit is the battle. Flesh is where we walk. Which brings me to the conclusion. I've shown you in chapter 3 of Galatians. What you've begun in the spirit by hearing through faith. You'll now perfect in the flesh. Okay, now if you walk out of here after all of that, you're going to do it yourself, you know what? Knock yourself out. Okay, and you know what? Every one of us is going to be able to look at you and say, they ain't having any fun. All right? But how do I walk in the spirit? How do I live a life that is only Christ? We'll see that in the next few weeks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your precious bride, your church. Lord, I just praise you for the amazing things you've shown me and re-energized me with here. Lord, I pray for these precious hearers. Lord, may they have ears to hear. Father, may they understand the power the power that indwells them. May they understand the holiness that indwells them. Father, may they understand the resources. May they understand that your perfectly good deeds are already predetermined. All we do is walk in them. 
Father, may we understand that unity is already there. We just preserve it in the bonds of peace. Father, may we understand that we do have a ministry of reconciliation. We are reconciling people to you. Father, may we understand that we have all of this in abundance beyond what we could ever think or imagine. And Father, may we bow before you, allow you to accomplish every good and faithful work. Father, we love you and I praise you for what you've done. Lord, I look so forward to what you're doing. Father, the doors that are open in in the lands of Russia, the doors that are open in the land of India and in Burma, and Father, the lands that are open right here in Castle Rock. Father, let us, in the power of your Spirit, walk in the glory of your Son. Christ, amen.